0: Hi you guys, this is Michael Eagle This is Secret Skin No actually uh, This is Secret Skin This is uh, a podcast called Secret Skin I had a podcast theme that didn't have any words in it And I said uh, My podcast theme doesn't have no words But then I was thinking about that and I was like Wait a minute Those are words So what I meant to say Was that my podcast theme didn't have any words written to it. And so uh, when I first made up that song, I did it on the fly. And one of the first things I said, well, actually, the first thing I said, that thing being my podcast theme has no words, was a lie. Just learned something about myself. I have no character. Anyway, I'm Michael Eagle. That's true. This is Secret Skin, that's true. More specifically, this is an episode of Secret Skin, a podcast where I talk to creatives, usually ones that I know, usually people involved in either hip-hop or uh, instrumental musics, stand-up comedy, all things that I have uh, some interest in and represent kind of the world around me, living here in L.A. And on this episode i talked to daedalus We am gonna really really interesting and deep conversation deep something in me feels like i shouldn't have said that there's probably a better word than deep i said interesting interesting didn't feel deep enough so then i said deep i felt bad about it and now i'm reviewing all of those thoughts for you right now speaking of reviewing this is a podcast that lives on the Stitchers, lives on the Internet at infiniteguest.org and dot org and lives on iTunes. It has three residences. It is very rich. Um, I need you guys to review it. I want you guys to review it. I don't need it. I'm not going to die if you don't, but it'd be great if you reviewed it a lot and rated it a lot. Make up fake accounts. Do it. Who cares? No one cares. There's no police for this. Do it. Please. Anyway, um, Daedalus is on this episode. I interviewed Daedalus uh, in his studio here in L.A. Uh, It was a great conversation. He's a guy I respect a lot. I love his music and I think he's a really incredible human. And so it was good to pick his brain about lots of stuff. I ended up talking to him a lot about my experience in L.A. And what it made me want to tell you a secret Skinners, Scandinavians Principal Skinners If you will or won't It's kind of how I got here To LA I grew up on the south side of Chicago um, All over the south side of Chicago My mom moved around um, And I went to Southern Illinois University In Carbondale Where you may know Serengeti from As, as a uh, Fellow alumnus and also a uh, notable independent rapper in Hannibal Burris Was on the cover of the Fader magazine. That's crazy. That's crazy. I remember seeing that guy in all kind of precarious positions. <laughs> I don't know. Probably like one. But um, yeah, man. It's, it's, that's interesting as well. But that's a whole nother subject. But uh, after I graduated from Southern Illinois University, which is in Carbondale, Illinois, I did not want to go back to Chicago because everyone I knew lived in and was from Chicago, and after they graduated, that is where they went. And I have a, uh, a parent here in L.A. My dad lives here, and uh, when I was done with school, I came here because I could live with him rent-free for a while. That lasted about all of two and a half months, and... um Yeah, I wanted to uh, try music while I was out here, too, when I was out here doing stupid day jobs. Uh, My first day job was I was an AmeriCorps Vista, volunteer in service to America. And what that means is that uh, a nonprofit can work you for one million hours a week and pay you a stipend of 800 American dollars a month. So that landed, uh, landed, lasted uh, close to seven months out of the year that I'd signed up for. Um, Then I got a job at a placement facility on boys for a placement facility for boys on probation. Uh, And I was there for a year and got to learn a lot about uh, L.A. youth gang culture. That was fun. It was actually it was a really cool job. It was uh, I mean, no, it wasn't cool because there were fights and and, um, you know, you had to. It was a behavioral program, so you know you're taking kids who uh, many of them grew up without any sort of boundaries at home and the entire program is to impress boundaries upon them so it's difficult you're you're actually you know finding a bit of a war every day but uh most of the kids are really good and they wanted to be better people you know even though they had a bunch of different kind of forces pulling them in different directions and after that I worked um, in elementary middle and high schools doing like in school tutoring programs and after school uh enrichment stuff and then i started teaching special ed which was also fun not fun rewarding also terrible wasn't very good at it but great at it um i mean you know i did all right because i can like kind of listen to kids (laughs) which is what not a lot of people in those positions want to do um but i was bad at it because what i learned is that um especially with teaching the best teachers they all do this thing where they uh go home after the school day and they do what's called preparing (laughs) for the next day and i patently refuse to do that um when the bell rang at three i would put in an hour and a half of work and i would leave there and i would go home and uh do all the other things i wanted to do um And so I was uh, teaching by the seat of my pants, which is not really good teaching. It's okay teaching. It's not great teaching. And I got laid off from that. And then uh, Bus Driver took me on tour. And that was the real beginning of my music career. I was rapping that entire time. I probably should have said that in the beginning. I didn't just start rapping it there and got laid off. I started rapping when I was in high school. And, um, yeah, I took a turn at... Trying it professionally. And here I am speaking to you. From my closet. Look how far I've come. Anyway, I talked to Daedalus. And his big, beautiful, uh... Well decorated. And, um... There's an energy in his studio. It was, really, it was really good. You can tell like a lot of... A lot of productive. A lot of production. A lot of productivity. Happens there. And, uh... We had a, a good conversation. We connected over a bunch of things. I got to talk to him about the development of the beat scene in L.A. that he's a part of. Um, he's a talented musician in many ways, but his, uh, his home base is kind of this, this beat scene in L.A., and I relate to him, my experience with that. Got to talk about um, ego management, which is a subject that continues to come up with me and guests, mostly because it's something I deal with, and I like to find out how other people deal with it. A walk-in closet is now a confessional booth and uh, we got to talk about how he feels about people sampling or rapping over his music which was something I was really interested to hear and we talked so much this is going to be a two-part secret skin conversation so um, after this episode the next thing the next thing the next episode because that's what episodes do they come after other episodes You'll hear me uh, continuing my talk with Daedalus. But for right now, let's get into it. This is Secret Skin. This is a secret radio hour. Oh, I'm going to be in Kansas City for the middle of the MAP Festival. uh, August 25th, I believe the show is. And in Riverside, with people under the stairs at UC Riverside in The Barn. That is August 29th, I believe. So, uh, yeah, if you want to see me rap. I won't be doing this there because then it probably wouldn't pay me. Um, I'm doing this at Bridgetown though. I'm doing a live Secret Skin at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival in Portland. I'm glad I reminded myself of that uh, while reminding you that you should go to these shows. And uh, that's it for me in the walk-in closet. This is Michael Eagle and this is your Secret Radio Hour. So go review it. Bye. Are we just talking for us? Are we talking for everybody? I think we're only ever talking for us. Yeah, but if we're talking and everybody can hear us, then we're talking for them, too i i i mean not on their behalf yes yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> semantics
1: once again people, people want to impress that upon you they want to give you that power and weight right
0: to you're talk for, for a generation or a that's so yeah i never your I, chat room you're speaking for your chat room i'm glad i don't i'm glad i don't feel that way i'm really glad i don't feel that way i'm so glad that i don't feel responsible to speak for anybody else oh, that's yeah. a great boon i've given myself i think that is that is a great uh, judo esque escape. <laughs> you are trying to impress.
1: I, fortunately, unfortunately, I believe you you do speak for for some.
0: Well, I don't know them, and that's good because I don't. I just don't want to think about anybody else while I'm writing. That's, I guess it's, that's is that's a pure place. That's yeah, Beautiful.
1: I don't want to. You don't think about. Well, I'm not going to even say anything. That's gross. no. Actually, you that's have fantastic. to now. <laughs> actually, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the just literally speaking with the records you've already done. Mm-hmm. You're, you're at a place where you've done some some music you've done some songs you've said a few things i've said a lot of stuff you own those things you've said correct i do so you are having a dialogue now with yourself every day yes at least every day all the time and so to take that thought forward everyone that has listened to those records you are now having a dialogue with them Mm. and then the likely listeners to come that you are hoping for putting they're in your conversations your wishes prayers whatever you want to call it
0: they are in my conversations, or they just hear my conversations
1: i think they're in them somehow like okay. they're they're part of this promise like mm. you are a promise carried forward not to get all not sound uh in religious double or anything but like this is the thing that's that's there okay and uh yeah that's just an interesting rabbit hole to fall down do you think about other people while you're creating no no <laughs> <laughs> i think about history and i think about the weight of things and genre and all this stuff but to think about it, specifically another person man that i could never
0: even know a single other person perfectly and that's i think that's what i mean too is like i feel like if i thought about a person like there's been occasions where i've thought about or I've been aware that I am what I am writing is to a person Mm -hmm. now that okay you know because I feel like that's only happening because I feel like it needs to for some reason Um, but in general if I'm not doing that then I don't want to think about a person because then I'll go crazy thinking about what a person thinks Mm -hmm. when I have no idea with a person now Just think about
1: all the random thoughts that you get on the day oh my daily, anyways and right so, now <laughs> <laughs> perfect so yeah if, if everyone is that times the millions possible then we're at we're all yeah not in the best way
0: and that kind of reminds me of this conversation we were having the other day we were at cosmic zoo and um me and you had started on a song for a project and you were saying that you actually had kind of moved on to another project mm-hmm. And um, you were telling me that you had a strict set of uh, was it rules or boundaries or I mean how I call them rules, but really it's
1: just any creative impetus. Now that's, things to spark fire okay. quickly,
0: and now for this new project,
1: yeah, right. But most projects I tend to work in that that way. I'd like to have a set of not finite all the time, like right. they're movable, but like can you give me an that. example of one? Uh, so on the new record, okay. it's like all the songs are 150 BPM. Right. The feel in that that tempo is changes, though. I wanted to, like, like how many songs can you make in that BPM but have their own distinct feel rather than it just being the same song over and over again? Right. And so I got to, like, 29 instances of what I felt to be, like, distinct different
0: feels. And the thought that I was having when you were telling me that or, but it was more related to my own work because I always feel, and, and I think this is what I was saying to you is that Um, I think about trying to work within guidelines sometimes, but then I get concerned that I'm going to put something in a way of me making what I would consider to be the best thing Mm -hmm. that I can make. But isn't the, like the absolute, I mean, I get terrified of the
1: limitlessness, but maybe it's just specifically the form that I'm dealing with electronic music. Right. Any sound, any notion is all viable, right? Any sample, so you can make
0: any choice, any at
1: choice any at any time. Yeah. And it could, everything could right turn 90 degree angles, 180 degrees, three, right? Yeah. Lots of degrees, basically <laughs> all the degrees, all the degrees <laughs> at all the times. And it's just terrifying. You just stand in front of the blank canvas of the computer screen. And it's just like that gaping maw that just wants to be fed and especially with like this kind of music where like i like details and so mm-hmm. it's like very easy to sew in extra details but you end up with this like very convoluted 15 seconds of sound that has mm-hmm. like every genre heaped upon everything and it just I, I mean i certainly suffer from
0: maximalism so there's there's something in you that kind of wants to make every choice well it's just it's all like it isn't like I want to it's just it's all
1: kind of possible and it's very paralyzing for me. Okay. I find that slows me down and Generally the stuff that came that in my my history that have has come together fastest is the stuff that's spoken to people clearest Okay, and I don't think it's my best music, but it's definitely the stuff that seems to get the best responses What would you say that has been I get a song called fairweather friends? What album is that on that is on love to make music. Okay. okay, and it was a little a few years ago and it's my most like watched music video and, and it's been licensed a bit and just had a life, a longer life. And that, that's probably a variety of factors. Right. It's featured up on like Myspace of all things. Oh, I
0: remember. <laughs> and
1: it's just crazy. And uh, that song was made in like 15 minutes. Hmm. Not to say it was done. It wasn't like you know out into the world in 15 minutes, but the large majority of it came together very fast. And it's just hummable and it isn't, I wouldn't say anything that I do is sing along Stuff, but at the same time, people tend to, to single that one out, and it's just I have a lot of songs like that in my
0: Was there hip-hop that you were interested in at the time? Absolutely. A lot of the L.A. Underground okay. was really,
1: like, I never felt part of that at mm-hmm. all. But I was, I mean, on my first record, I featured Satchel Pages, Satch, yeah, yeah, and yeah, Bus yeah. Driver. Okay. They had features. And, um, yeah, that that was the kind of people how, I was, how
0: were you experiencing it? Were you, like, going Were you like going to shows or were you meeting people? I went to The you... Good Life only once. Okay. okay. And
1: I didn't feel very, let's uh, say, part of the dialogue. I hear you. Not so much. I That's hear true. you. Um, and uh, I was going to shows though when I was doing the thing, and especially the drum and bass, like uh, Concrete Jungle LA, right? Daddy Concrete Jungle, right? Had a hip hop room, exactly. So that was way probably too smoky. It was a bridge,
0: deep. though, right?
1: One hundred percent, yeah, it was a bridge, and it was a space where it could live a little bit. And then I also. uh kenny siegel mm-hmm. i went to school with him ah okay and okay. doctor he was U making drum and stuff. bass stuff right? he was making drum and bass but also hip-hop right. and same thing with daddy kev was you know the auditorium was doing their stuff but i wasn't associated with those people especially it just was like stuff that was happening i see it was as ever there's more interesting things happening in the fringes and the outside but you're always constantly trying to have dialogue with what's in the pocket or mm-hmm. inside and uh Yeah, I probably represent that a little strongly, being like not feeling comfortable or accepted, but also feeling very motivated and interested in what's happening. And this was like a scene of maybe like 30 kids, you know? Mm -hmm. You look at the early sketchbook, which is the precursor to Cologne Theory, a, a very direct predecessor. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that came together in low end theory but like sketchbook is like the night that felt like the closest thing to that night that it became
0: i've heard a lot about mm. sketchbook but i want you to tell me more about it because i did you go there a lot yeah a lot a lot okay that was definitely like this place that it was all happening now where was that it was at the virgil or what's now the called little the temple. Virgil. yeah the little temple it was in the small room right it wasn't it's, even in the bigger
1: yeah well i mean the small room and the big room are kind of almost like That's they're true. both tiny room just think of it like a tiny room <laughs> the tiny and then the, the tiny the little room. tiny room yeah, exactly. yeah, with, the, with the weird indian make out couches <laughs> yeah just some moroccan influence yeah. make room um i don't even know if, i mean they were serving alcohol but it didn't even feel like that was the thing and more of the action for that club happened in the little like dirt parking lot next to the uh-huh. club entrance like
0: under that huge billboard exactly
1: so what night would what night of the week was it thursday i want to say it was thursday it was too. tuesday it was no no i mean low end on a wednesday so i think at first there was this idea of non-competition but they i don't even know if they exist at the same time i don't think they did yeah it was definitely an odd night though it was definitely not a night that it was cracking for other spots in la so it was like playing because if
0: it was thursday that would be really interesting because at that time i know blow was still happening so it would be kind of interesting that. Well, but this was a non-MC space. But that's what I mean. Yeah, and, and Blog and was very much at that point. Like Omid and those people had like long gone. Yeah, yeah. so it was. I mean, it, at the, because at, when sketch, cause Sketchbook started happening. I mean, I moved here in 2004. That would be and I think, concurrent, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think Sketchbook maybe a little bit after, maybe a little after that.
1: No, I think it would have been going on. At had that it been, time. I okay. believe so, because okay. Lowen Theory started. It. I feel like it ended before Lowen began, or at least it kind of felt like that. It definitely ended before Koopma got deported.
0: Right, it was Koopma's night. Um, but I was, what I was saying is, it's is interesting in the sense that it was not MC, it was not an MC centric, and that's one thing I started I think to notice. It would have been if they wanted to come, right? But or if nobody they, wanted to come, and, and and it and it weren't necessarily. It was like the beat makers weren't really telling a bunch of rappers about it either. It was like it was very by beat people for beat people
1: I I think there was a few heads there I just think it was one of those things where it was just it wasn't so let's let's say let's talk about a few things sure it wasn't uh, a very easy place for an mc to get up on a mic right it was really made as a dj night but it just ended up being this thing that was subverted by the fact that people wanted to play original stuff right and kind of creative things and there was this creative undercurrent that the mc scene maybe had become a little solidified mm-hmm. behind the existing players sure. the existing powerhouses sure sure. and sure. this was sure. a little time when like freestyle fellowship was set in like hollowed uh tones Mm -hmm. that's probably not a metaphor but anyways it's it's like these kind of strange strange uh like la um la was still known as this mc place where great mcs were battling battling and this and this was like sketchbook was like not a battle scene you didn't play your music to be like you played it to surprise and excite people but not to be
0: like this is better than anything that you guys are doing It was very supportive you know and that that, i think that's what i'm getting at because and I've always, this has been something that I've more sensed than known over the time that I've been here. But what I've saw that happened was that, um, okay, L.A. hip hop was huge, mm-hmm. uh, worldwide influential, um, coming through the good life, coming through Project Blood, all, oh, all these different careers. Don't forget just gangster rap yeah. being this weird other,
1: like, it's like the wa- the waffle cone of it. No, no, the <laughs> wafer. The, yeah, <laughs> the strange gooeyness in between these different wafers. Yeah two very different spaces but very talking to each other
0: but but always uh giving far more um valor to the rapper than the producer outside of dr dre you know like outside of of uh the very tip-top and because i used to i used to think about this even just hearing blow Out records like you know you would know who the rappers were the producers seemed almost interchangeable in a lot of that stuff and they weren't necessarily like like Fat Jack, you know. Oh, but I was going to say like Fat Jack's comp was like really a major it was huge. It was huge and and some of
1: Omids like kind of focused records yeah. like being actually really really important for the scene and Absolutely. having more interesting features than the kind of core album record. Yep. Or the core featured
0: records of some of the some of the groups. Yeah, very very um very important but I feel like the importance never got back to the producer sure. it was always just about oh look what these rappers are doing you know look yeah. what look what this rap scene is it was never really uh and i think especially coming from good life project blow and i think that's why i'm focusing on that because i'm thinking mm-hmm. about the underground scene and kind of birthed what low end became too mm-hmm. is that um the good life and indefinitely project blow not only was it rap centric but it was definitely like rap ego centric yeah. it was definitely battling like you said it was definitely um you know uh definitely competition well it was also that kind of feeling of starry-bellied sneetches right like you
1: had people, like dr seuss okay like you had people who were the haves and the have-nots and you were in that scene and you were like a person that could take that stage and you were given your respect and you know what else was allowed mm-hmm. You never wanted to see another person up on that stage right. but the people that you already
0: had let in yeah i remember yeah i had to fight i had to fight I, and i didn't have to physically fight but like i had to i had to take a lot of psychological lumps i had to have a lot of real heated arguments with people yeah. because yeah i wasn't from here you know and i was determined to not leave <laughs> sure so yeah i definitely encountered that but what seemed like started to happen um was that the MCing and the beat making split and uh the emceeing split to the point where it was a cappella rap battles. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that totally. was a whole world. Mm-hmm. And then the beat making split to where, you know, for a lot of Lowen Theory's history, you know, it wasn't. It It's it still it's still. And I've played there a lot, yeah. but it's not good for me in a sense of people being able to hear what I'm saying. It's not. It's a challenging it, microphone. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, it's. I think what it is, it's. Uh, you know, it's just that's not the the goal of the people mixing the sound. There is to make sure that I'm heard. I, I think I think they're trying their best. I, but yeah, let's say, I, don't, I don't think it's nefarious at no, all. No, but let's say the amplification system is
1: not is not designed for <laughs> when you're amplifying bass and you're talking about a feedback situation. Right, that right.
0: is where a exactly. lot of feedback
1: lives. Yeah, you know, long and, waves.
0: And then you know, um, right? So it's built for bass music, yeah. not necessarily being heard over bass music mm-hmm. um and it's interesting that your know, sketchbook happens is like you know rappers are still in the blow and, and it might be the same night that they're still somewhere exactly. else rapping all the beat makers have gone somewhere else <laughs> yeah. and they're playing beats and being supportive of each other um, i'm just trying to geek each other out yeah just trying to like turn turn your brain inside out you know? But what's funny, what I what I also saw that happened after that, especially after Law and Theory started and some people started getting popular was I started seeing what I would imagine to be the beat makers uh, emulating some of the rap ego that they were oh. exposed to. And I always thought it was interesting that you were never like that. <laughs> and, I, and I always really appreciated that, like, you know, as as successful as you've been and you've been there since the very beginning of all of it, you know, it, it's never been that way. With you, well, you
1: know? I, I'm surprised that you think that some of the some some of these people have oh. egos. I think I think people definitely have encountered their successes in different ways. But I think on the whole, people are really generous with their time and energy. I'm still grateful that I can like just pick up a phone and call some mm-hmm. people that I am I'm, I'm very surprised about um, just in terms of their success of the number sure. of ears they're getting and or how much time. It seems like everyone has like I've gone through some crises in my life and been surprised at this community that I don't know terribly well but I feel like I've bonded with like mm-hmm. they still have moments that's, sure. that's all I'm saying but I I do think for my myself um that experience that early jungle experience was really telling like mm-hmm. that was a world that didn't want me I was and maybe you have some sympathy for this as well like the communities that were existent did not want to have me and and my voice be part of the conversation right. and so I wasn't allowed and that made me feel adrift mm-hmm. and I was so lucky to find this other community but if I hadn't I wouldn't be here right now right. I would be um, yeah I there's really like I've never had a backup plan so I, I don't know if I'd be doing too well if I didn't have this music thing so it really it really comes down to just feeling that that oppressive narrative early on and then not wanting to ever go back to that closed-off place
0: course talent um and in years years uh involved in that scene you have a certain respect um like my experience of a lot of people in the beat scene is very different <laughs> <laughs>
2: than you
0: absolutely because um mm. and, and i've you know and i've kind of i've kind of i've noticed just from my observations that i think uh beat makers have a lot of respect for each other inside of the scene have a lot of respect, uh, talent, ingenuity, innovation. They can kind of hear if somebody's good and they respect it, you know. Um, I-
1: I think there is a that little thing of there, and maybe this is a newer concept, but no, it's time, It's this is from time memorial. People are suspicious of other people riding coattails mm-hmm. or sounding like each other. And I think there is a thing with, especially with a creative scene like this, that everyone wants to come with something new stylistically. Right. Absolutely. And as especially like some national or international trend yes. blows in and everybody's jumping on house or everyone's jumping on trap. And, Juke.
0: And, yeah. yeah.
1: and And like whatever it is, it's like, oh, this is are you not og about this or you don't you know authentically represent it like where why are you doing this like what are, you, what are you trying to commercially get out of this and there's enough people who feed off of that energy as well there's the people at these upper echelons and we can name them or not name mm-hmm. them but it's easy just to talk about people who run labels that basically have a lot of ghost writers and just right. how you know it's kind of icky um kind of strange for sure. And especially it's, it's just to kind of go back to this narrative between the MC and the producer, you know, a lot of times there, there is still, I think some lasting suspicion about, I, the,
2: and, and, and that's,
0: that's what I encounter mm. a lot. Um, it's like your name at the top, my name in the credits. Right. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, respect the DJ, respect the producer. And, and, and it hadn't happened for so long that I think that maybe it's like a lasting cycle. There's, psychic there's I think there's, it's a, for some, Beat makers, I believe now uh, it is like they believe that it is their time to have the ego and to drive whatever vehicle it is that that you know that I guess just just their careers. I guess uh,
2: I, I mean, I feel bad
0: because it's I feel like yeah. I, from my the sense that I get of it is that it comes from the way that rappers have modeled ego uh, up until this point. You know that um that that it starts to seem like that when you are successful, that that is how you should walk.
1: Isn't it funny that people believe their press releases so Absolutely. often? And Absolutely. And I think the creation mythology that people assume for themselves and when they start to own it and they breathe it and they mm-hmm. live it and they become it, it's really dangerous. You're very dangerous. Yeah. And I don't know. There, there's very few corrective measures that are available to the unsuccessful, and the, to anybody. Mm-hmm. There is very few trustable voices. I'm so grateful that there's so many good people in this scene and so many people that are interested in each other's successes.
0: Well, what do you think that there's something that keeps you from ever doing that, From from believing your own press releases, from... From being caught up in, because you're, you know, the people writing your press releases are going to say they're, they're they're going to say the absolute best thing about. I've, I've had to write my own press releases, and then other people <laughs> thankfully
1: rewrite them because they don't tend to do a very good job of it. I mean, I'm not at that place where I have like the PR agency that's like on retainer or something. Sure. Um, man, it is it is such a tricky territory to to traverse. I I I, I don't know. I. Personally, I feel grounded in the fact that I always, my success came early mm-hmm. and I got, I had set my markers really low. Right. Like I really was obsessed with radio space and I did a little radio and to hear one of my songs played without me requesting it. Right. Was such that's a marker a of success. And then I'm kind of done. Like mm. everything else that's happened. It's cherry on top. It's right? crazy. Yeah. It's really <laughs> sweet. The pie is, is a lot of like whipped cream on top of this, the apple pie that was baked a long time ago. Actually, apple pie and whipped cream is probably not a good. Like, let's say cheese, <laughs> slices of cheese on top of the apple pie. That's delicious. Um, that's a better metaphor. Um, so that, that's been really good. And then just to see, like, really to be very proud of the people who are um, coming up. And maybe, mm-hmm. like, you can have the tiniest influence on just knowing that even my existence being possible as a career makes it so that they're brave enough to make the choice and to make the dialogue better. It's extremely gratifying. I think sometimes people get really afraid and when you're making decisions out of a place of fear, sure. you tend to make bad
0: decisions. So you really feel like you're a part of a community that's living and breathing.
1: It's funny because it's like it's 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 less a community because I don't have the daily dialogue especially with up and coming kids. Like sometimes sure. I'll be at a show and just say hi to people and people get weirded out like that like I'm not supposed to talk or something or they're not right. supposed to talk or yeah. like we're not supposed to have this dialogue like pedestals have been made for sure and or whatever and like it's not supposed to be dialogue based but of course I think the better creative action happens in, in that space and um, and thusly I feel more part of an artistic moment mm. or a technological possibility hmm. like I'm the beneficiary of like electricity basically wow. and I feel really lucky about that um, yeah because 100 years ago would have been Electron music is pretty tough (laughs) yeah or or alternately in the zombie apocalypse i am zombie meat i am food really fast wow and uh yeah so very very crucially this moment right now this
0: tiny slice of history is really um has been made for me so you feel even more than being part of a community um there's a more essential feeling of just being fortunate
1: yeah yeah and all like it's funny because like artistically i've had my ups and downs personally i've had my ups and downs but it always comes back to like i get to do this right and i've traveled to like 60 countries or whatever and like like had people withstand basically more than enjoy my sound they've just like stood there and like taken it It's, it's amazing and uh i still get geeked on just hearing new music and stuff and I don't know i feel like maybe that is the largest thing that that i feel like if i could if i could tell young people what to do just like never lose your enthusiasm never feel like you're prostituting yourself for your profession Mm. just feel engaged it's like if you can sustain that i feel like it's all really interesting and not that i'm even in the place to give sage-like advice because i've been lapped by so many wonderful people i've you know sat in sat in situations where i've seen these people like working on their first records and then like now they're on the moon. On, yeah, exactly. And I just feel so it's so cool to see to be able to be like with those people for moments even if I can't, you know, like I still feel like I could pick up the phone for a lot of those kids, yeah. but like the idea of like hard chilling
0: and like playing like playing chess with some of them maybe. <laughs> that's possible, let's say. I mean, so you don't you don't do you do you have moments of envy ever?
1: Uh I think it's human to mm-hmm. to wonder about that kind of stuff, but also I just, I'm not built for that. Right. I'm not built for jealousy terribly or, um, you know, I've tried, tried it before. Just, You've tried? You've Well, like, okay, so I, I work in MC space sometimes. Okay. I work with MCs and sometimes right. they really, okay, so I'm going to call out this gentleman just, just vaguely because I, this is, I'm not worried about it. So I was sitting with OGG Mako or mm-hmm. OG Mako mm-hmm. and his crew. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been in these situations before, being in places where like I'm not it's not the expected thing and I've I've been the beneficiary of so many of that those moments of yeah, being exactly. at a rave and being like, Why am I playing at this rave? or like being with these MCs and So like, you were playing a show with him? He was he was playing with Too Fresh. Okay. He was sitting in doing a guest spot at South by Southwest, which is full of these kind of guest spots. Yeah. But the backstage was full of of him and crew and I was playing later in that night. Right. You know, arguably the last spot or whatever. I don't expect that they would stick around, but taking up airspace in sure. the backstage. And dude, kind of was like wanted to check me. Like, who are you? Uh. Like, why are you here? And this and is
0: this is the rapper himself, not one. Of this his is people. one of his crew. This okay. is
1: obviously Entourage number seven. He's there <laughs> to. I'm not sure if he was there to roll the weed or if he was there to check me. Uh, and it could have been both. Right. Um, but you know, had to like step up to the plate just to make sure i didn't feel too awkward being there and that kind of situation
0: well, how did that play out i mean what did you what did he say what did you say well he was like who are you but he didn't say it like hey what's right. your not, name not in an inclusive sense yeah right. like yeah. why
1: right just why underscore question mark with the other question <laughs> mark that's upside yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly and uh i began to explain myself i'm playing you know this and he's like what do you do i was like um electronic music and when i said electronic music he kind of automatically checked out (laughs) he's like okay but he also was still like trying to make sure that i was supposed to be there there, and then he asked me if i worked with mcs or kind of insinuated that and i said yeah i I do actually and this is where things get a little controversial I, i was able to tweet about the situation later how i chatted with og and his his crew about Madlib and Jay Dilla mm-hmm. and, you know, Doom. Right. Because those are the people I said that I had worked with, and I've worked with those yeah. guys. But I didn't mention this in the tweet, but none of those dudes knew who any of those people were. Nah,
0: that that's what I thought was happening, and that was way more interesting. <laughs> yeah, sadly, dude was like, I was like, oh, yeah, MCYs. I didn't even
1: mention Bus. Yeah. I, I should have, because he's the dude I've worked with the most. Bus Driver is incredible.
0: Driver, driver's a fan of Mako, too, I think.
1: And and Mako has some some some, like his some of his inner cuts on the record are great even his big singles you know it's like it's delivered in such a fashion that is really interesting and he seems like an actual genuine person okay uh not genuine in the his affect or his discomfort in that particular south by southwest but like there was some aspects of it that came across broadly and he but yeah dude was like and so i just mentioned doom so i've worked with mc uh, mf doom Nothing. nothing blank just <laughs> who and then i was like well, madlib as well we've we've actually worked together on tracks it isn't just that we've remixed each other i didn't say that but he was just like nope and i was like dilla just like yeah. i've toured with dilla a little bit nope wow nope he was a you know young kid from atlanta and i think he knew atlanta things right and you know, if I had mentioned Outcast or something, maybe maybe he would have like, oh, those guys, <laughs> right. those grandpas. I know grandpa, like you know, who knows what these. But people it is are very regional
0: on. now. It is very regional. Yeah.
1: Be that as it may, it's also very international. Anything you want to check out, it's at your fingertips. For sure. And if you don't choose to, that's an interesting choice right. because there is a broad world of amazing music that has happened and will happen that is exciting and if you are not excited if you are walled up and like for your team you're missing out Mm -hmm. and i just got this strong sense of like wow like these guys are on on one and hot but also like how is this sustainable without broader communities like Mm -hmm. he is just a name now that people are, are both trying to find their success in and sniping at to find their success like it's just a very vicious, um, very quick game.
0: Yeah, and, and I used to, um, like, as a rapper with... who uh, I have healthy ego struggles. I have uh, robust ego um, things that I go through. We should times. circle back to that, because I'm
1: really curious about... Because <laughs> you seem very grounded, and also very much in your own lane. Like, there's nobody else that exactly does what you do and what you own.
0: Yeah, I, you know, but I don't... Um that has its advantages and disadvantages and I also I often find myself wanting things that other people have so that you know informs these ego struggles and so in that sense um, he's the kind of person who I used to I like I remember two three years ago maybe before um, a rapper would happen a single like that would happen and I would check it out after some resistance and I'd be like oh okay all right <laughs> i see you know and then but but that was because you know that's once again that's me thinking that somebody else is getting something that i deserve you know what i mean but see i i had you know i i've learned of course now like no like first of all there's room for everybody because i used to be under the assumption uh and i think this was like this would scared me about odd future right what's that Odd Future was not only cultivating their own fandom, they were cultivating a fandom which they wanted to say, they wanted their fandom to say, fuck everybody else but Odd Future. So I was like, wait a minute, like that, like, and and I used to, like, I think I got caught up in that. Cause then, it, you know, once, I don't know, like it, it, took, it took me a while, I think I just got deeper into social media and started to realize, oh, that's right fans they really don't give a shit they listen to everything they don't care like you know what i mean like
1: will jump ship and move around and be they are like the worst lovers
2: (laughs) because they love everything yeah they're getting so many social diseases it's crazy (laughs) stds but in a different way
0: so much like yeah it's it's a tricky biz but yeah i mean i guess you know, And that, that thought has given me the kind of emotional distance where I can be like, oh, okay, this guy's happening, and maybe he'll keep happening, and maybe he won't happen. And it doesn't have anything to do with me and my career. <laughs> I think it's really
1: wonderful when you can separate those personalities and those social moments. Let's not call that personality, but let's like, you know, that social manipulation or whatever yeah. it is from the art. Yeah. And I feel like it's really tricky because it all informs each other, but like... You can get geeked out about how good a song is, or like where it's going, or what it's doing socially, and how it's moving. Oh yeah, and then
0: and then and then the deal they got, and then how the deal plays into the PR. Right. You know, oh such and such got a two million dollar deal, but then you hear a year later, like not only did they get dropped before the album came out, they didn't even get that whole money. Yeah. You know, like well, that, that money that is just part of the a PR. A five album deal, right? And you have to hit certain marks, and and you yeah. know, or you end up owing money. Like it's just like it's it's such it's the reality of it is so different than the hype world that people talk about and reacting. And I was reacting to a lot of that. So that was affecting me a lot. Yeah, the reactive
1: mind is slow anyways. It's just the amount of time it takes for your eyeballs to take something in, your brain to process it, and your mouth to say it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So many other things have happened. Yeah, so many other things. There's been like seven other
1: OGGs. It's crazy.
0: (laughs) I wanted to ask you a rap question, right? Cause I was um I was listening to Denies Today's Demise. That's mm-hmm. like probably my favorite album of oh, yours. I really love that album, and and there's a song on it that uh, that I really really love. It's like Clockwork Springs. Cool. And uh, there was a point in my life soon after I heard that album and song that I was just gonna rap over that song. That's like, awesome. I was just like I had gotten as far as writing a chorus. And I was started, to, wow. and, and um, I think at the time. I'd love to hear that. I, and I think I think the chorus still works, so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll resurrect it and I'll just do it and send it to you. And you know, one person has done that though. You know that. Yeah, I do, and I was getting, I was okay. getting to that because it freaked me out. Yeah. It really freaked me out because I don't know. Like I guess in my head, in my own creative space, like like you said, like typically, not a lot of people do what I do not a lot of people follow my impulses so typically and I have this kind of rolling collection of songs that are like other people's songs but if I ever make a mixtape I'm gonna rap over that you know so when I heard that blue album very controversial record now see that's what I want to talk to you about because I don't really like I've heard some things. I don't really understand how it works. I want to ask you directly. But so I heard that there's a song. There's a song on there that he did a song over that song. I was yeah. like, what
1: the fuck? Like there's a few else of there. There's
0: like another song of... on there. There's uh, of yours. Yeah. Okay. My, I did, okay. Yeah. Um, and I have a little history with people doing work over. Now work. I was going to ask you about like, what do you, what is your relationship to that song? And then what is your relationship to people rapping on your music in general? I mean, I love artistic impressions. Okay. I love when people are informed. It does get trickier
1: when there's money involved, sure, and and there's also uh, ownership and rights, absolutely, copyright, and, yeah, for sure. But like, I'm I'm a big fan of just like of just use. Like, I want like songs only exist while they're in the air. the The concept of a song while it's sitting flat on a on a on the medium it was recorded onto or the medium it was distributed on is very it's very surface it doesn't exist it really only exists when it's being pushed through some sort of speakers some sort of air um and so i really like it when things get more air but something like that for instance i felt so distant from the creative endeavor because Mm. so here we're all getting this news that blues signed to a major right blues done it finally and this dude probably and
0: and blue everybody's i'm sure i mean because blue was a kid of the la underground so everybody's like excited. Yeah, and he started to the thing that kind of unraveled for me is that
1: I only heard rumors about this record being recorded. And the thing I found interesting is that he chose a lot of underground people including like Sam I Am and Flylo and uh I I shouldn't I mean at the, under, the the time more underground. This is pre-Kendrick. So let's right. say there's like Pete
0: I mean this is pre this is pre first Kendrick. This yeah, is this is, yeah, this is this is
1: not a KL. This is BKL. <laughs> For fly low, let's say. I think fly low's rates are going to change. Later. Oh, certainly. Um, they already were scary. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but but ni- neither here nor there. Um, just we're kind of getting rumors that 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 he's doing this record, <clears throat> and at the time, he's, it seemed impossible. He's got this crazy collection of LA together. We don't know what tracks he's choosing. We don't know what's going on. <clears throat> he's kind of shouting about how he's working with all of us
0: oh and so you're not you're not being reached out to in any kind not at
1: least in the most clear channels okay like uh uh, so short story you have people like sam i am who's like no way i don't mess with anybody but like my three rappers that i like because the sam i am and he's crazy and we all love him for it but like dude is like very specific i
0: have some experience with him (laughs) on that level
1: (laughs) and i think he's thought at different times but then he's also holed up he's he he embodies this Michigan thing that yeah. I, I respect so much, but also don't understand all the time. <laughs> and then Steve also as well is like, I think he was going through his own recording process and not wanting old music to be rehashed. I think I he's see. always on the next. I could be wrong about that. Um, I don't want to speak for him or any of these guys really. But I just see these kind of things happening where it just seems like this is different. And for my own regard, I'm curious on what he's doing. I, I don't know where he's going with this stuff, but I also want it to be attended to. And right. the possibility of being on a major and getting a lot more ears is enticing. I want my music to be heard loud and wide. So I'm, I'm, I'm along for the ride. Sure. And then it unravels. The whole thing kind of comes apart. It gets dropped, the record gets shelved, never to exist. Everyone doesn't, no one gets paid. Not that that was, I think, really high on any priority list or like that much of money involved. But just nothing happens it right. froze and then a year later it comes out mysteriously leaked or yeah. whatever and like oh wait final approval no money no nothing
2: carry me on carry me on carry me on, carry me on.
0: No conversation, no real consideration for how you feel about your work being...
1: Well, and it's and it's not that even I would
0: say too much, because I really wanted to
1: see his vision. For sure. But I also, I, I do feel it is important to have a right of refusal if there was something said specifically. Right. I'd really, like something that I don't uh, respect or regard, I, want, I would, you know, I, I have certain thoughts and feelings in those sure. ways. And luckily, I don't think anything was really on those songs that were really too untowards. Right. Um... And I was cool with it, but also just at the same time, just like that that kind of feeling that he doesn't need to participate. He doesn't need to openly and honestly just approach us and just really shake hands and just look in eyes. And mm-hmm. I feel like I've really benefited from being very in-person and hands-on, right. not necessarily trying to manipulate what people are doing, but just being present. And like, for instance, uh, to go back to an earlier experience, I had that accordion song that MF2 I was going to ask
0: you about that too, because that's not even that um, is credited it's the only credited sample well, I, and I, I hope so because you're in a video <laughs> that, that and that was large part just this guy andrew gura
1: did the video and he we had worked together on his okay. first music video and so when he was brought in to do that i think he kind of wanted to do that thing for me or just thing for them
0: or you know it was like literally they had done a different video and they had a little extra time so they did the accordion video okay yeah because it's like the same setting same yeah same camera work and everything yeah. um and in that song uh mad lip samples you yeah and it's not an accordion though right they actually
1: well i can play it on accordion and i I certainly play a little bit of accordion but it's more done it's a four handed part okay so it was originally done on this uh um auto harmonium which i think i still have around here somewhere but yeah like this this kind of like it sounds like an accordion it breathes like that and and then again in essence like it can be played on accordion right but they he samples it doesn't confirm with me until the song is done now this is
0: Madlib sampling you
1: Madlib sampling me specifically though don't forget there was a leaked version of the MF Doom record that doesn't include accordion I didn't know that yeah it it doesn't have accordion because accordion was put together really quick to add some Uh, extra songs because they were in that mode they wanted to yeah so to to
0: differentiate from the leaked
2: yeah
1: Okay. Or at least from what I understand maybe Mm -hmm. there was already something in process but from what I understand they went back to the Madlib bonus beat like store of thousands of beats (laughs) and just picked that one and then made that song out of it. Um, and I had worked with Madlib previous. He had done a remix for my first record, for Invention. Right. He the Quiet Party, which is like the accompanying EP. He does a remix. And that's that. and, and he's and the song that he sampled is on Invention, right? Exactly. Yeah. And he, apparently, he remixed a bunch of songs off Invention. But he just just I guess he just does
0: things and keeps them stored and mm-hmm. huh? yeah. Because
1: there was even another beat that Med did on some record, which I I don't even know what what thing but that was out of the same song out of experience uh, my song experience but like a different part of the song that they made a beat out of or something I'm it's
0: <laughs> curious and curiouser yeah I and mean, yeah. so so was that i mean was that a better experience
1: though uh, 100% i mean they even though they cleared it really late and i didn't hear the song until basically it was out there was still that kind of like they reached out they made sure they kind of like really directly talked to me about it and they offered me a lot of stuff um, which I refused all of it because I really wanted us to be along for the ride. They did take me on tour for a little while. That's, That's when I awesome. toured with Jay Dilla. It was the J Lib project, okay, and also um, the Doom, the Mad, Mad Villain, Villain. record tour. That was when they toured together, wow. and I was on the first two dates of That's that incredible. LA and SF with my accordion. <laughs> <laughs> it was the weirdest, weirdest thing. You um, and so that that felt much more of a holistic experience and i really out of that i was able to work with doom on right. future records like it just was the kind of like i didn't get paid and it was the same kind of things that happened in most of these situations mm-hmm. were the uncleared strange sample but really open and just being possible the and potential yeah, right. felt
0: there because right so even even though there wasn't a monetary payment there was like a reward of these new relationships and being put in it, some good and positions. it
1: didn't even feel like a reward; it just felt more like i was just part of a conversation right and if that's a reward then that's a it's a terrible world we live in. If that's if that's the case,
0: but well, I guess I just I guess I meant reward in the same way that money would have been a reward. It would have been like it, like oh we money we would like, have been very short, right? Exactly. The, the conversation and, was very
1: long. Yeah, I still feel like I can see Madlib in the street and like like have you know get his weird daps and it's great, <laughs> awesome. He gives really
0: weird daps. I, mean, oh, I bet weird, no, I'm not sideways,
1: I'm not. backwards, yes, yeah, <laughs> crazy. Something else.
0: So that was part one of my talk with Daedalus. Uh, the next episode of Secret Skin will be part two of that conversation. He's inspired me to be brave, and I'm scraping the bottom of the songs that I foolishly decided to share with you all uh, when we first announced Secret Skin. And um, in a fit of bravery, I'm going to share with you one of my remakes that I've made that I've hidden on my hard drive this one is a remake of a pavement song I did all the instrumentation with computer keyboards and I sang stuff and layered it and it was very raw and ugly and homely but I love it I made it for me I guess I'm gonna share it with you this is my remake of Cut Your Hair by Pavement this has been a Secret Radio Hour Music seems crazy. Rapper star up each and every day. I saw
2: another one just the other day with special new
0: pants. I am not a liar, so I'll never lie.
2: But I never would, and I don't care. I don't care. I really don't care. Did you see my DJ's hair? Oh, a special rapper, one of a hundred million special rappers, but I bump heavy metal backwards for its warnings about hair bands, they told us to choke them with our bare hands before they expand and leave markets flooded, I drew the pebbles and I started bugging, well, um, maybe not quite bugged, but there was a small light bulb about musical hedonism and how it can ruin an even system whenever two things sit equidistant and the market picks one approach everything starts to become a joke there's no room for the heartbroken caught fish talks back in an art ocean and that's a deep dark dirty pond waiting for a heat spark early dawn Give me a weird otherworldly sound. I'd rather be otherworld renowned than compete for a teenage girly crown. Call me surly. All CBA ball free is world B with my Afro tall rings and surrolling. The case bird sings. <laughs> Puzzle, hipsters wearing wearing muzzle. Hesitate to die. Look around, around. Oh, well, my second DJ drowned. I just say he's not in town. Ooh, 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 ooh.